very exciting. We handed out backpacks to uh, 23 schools this Friday on Friday. Amen. And uh, plus uh, another school district that's given them to several schools in there. So almost 30 schools receiving backpacks from us this year. That's very exciting. Amen. And uh, so Brandon and some of the guys took those. And then also we were able to give uh, Keith uh, works with some foster children. So we supplied backpacks for 14 foster children going to school. And that's so a lot of the things. And then we have a few backpacks left over that we set aside because some of you have children, grandchildren or others or somebody you know that may need one. And uh, maybe we missed them through the school. So if you'll contact us and contact the office, we'd love to bless uh, your children or grandchildren as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And then uh, on, on a, uh, a less than exciting note, uh, on Monday of this last week, our, our dear brother Frank Graber passed away. And uh, Frank and Dean became uh, members here at the church just like two months after we started. We started in August. They came in September of 1989. Frank, uh, a father in my life and a great encourager uh, to us and uh, a blessing and support for all these years that we've been here. And so he went to be with the Lord. And uh, as I shared with some, it, it was kind of fun. We, uh, I got to be with him uh, the Thursday before he passed away, and I'm there, and he got, to, he got to see pictures of little Jackson, our newest grandson, and pictures of all of us, and different things. That's kind of nice with uh, media today. You can show him family pictures to keep him up on everybody and what's going on and things that are happening. So uh, it was just great. And uh, he would always ask me, Pastor, how's the church? How's it going? Everything going all right? Everybody okay? And so he prayed for you. He prayed for us. And uh, so he went to be with the Lord. So Saturday, September 20th is the tentative date right now that we have. We'll keep you posted for the memorial that will be here for him on that day. Amen? Praise the Lord. So keep uh, Betty and Diane in, uh, in your prayers as well. Praise the Lord. John chapter 17, if you're there. And uh, just continuing on this theme, I, I believe I just have one mission as a pastor, even as a preacher, and that is just to make God known. I can't make you make a decision. I can't cause you to choose one way or the other. But if somehow I can declare God to you and God by His Spirit can reach your heart, maybe you'll choose just to open up and let God reveal Himself to you. Amen? Father, we just pray that in these next few moments, Lord, that each and every one of us would have open hearts, open eyes, and open ears. Father, you so want us to know you. God, you created us to know you, to have fellowship with you, to walk with you. God, you love us so much that you even gave your son to redeem us. Deliver us, set us free. Lord, let our hearts be open to hear your word today. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may also glorify you, as you have given Him authority over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as you have given Him. And this is eternal life. Everybody say, this is. This is. 
So listen, Jesus is praying. This is what we call his high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying this prayer for those that are there with him in the garden, for his disciples, for his followers. But he's praying also for us and for you and me. This is eternal life. Just an amazing statement. You ask somebody, are you born again? Do you, you, you know, have you asked Jesus into your heart? That Jesus, never, Jesus never walked up to anybody and said, would you like to receive me into your heart? Amen. He said to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who is speaking to you, you would have asked of me and I would have given you living water. So he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is speaking to you, then you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. Amen? So he's praying basically that same prayer for you and I. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, period. Nobody else, nobody else is equal, no other path. God has no problem with saying, I am the way, truth, and life. Amen. There is no other way to the Father. There is no other way around the back, over the fence, under the fence. Hello? Through the crack, lift it up, slide around, grease yourself. It doesn't matter. You're not getting in anyway. Amen. There is one way to the Father. Amen. And there is only one God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, which the glory which I had with you before the world was. So Jesus is saying that he existed before the world did. And over the last several weeks in this message on the God who else is trying to get you to understand the greatness of God. And this morning, if I can, I'm going to help you from shrinking God down instead accepting His invitation to come up. So much of what we do with God and our concepts of God just, just dwindles Him down. It's even in this point, in, in the area of our understanding, we want to understand God. Let me just help you real quick. You will never understand God because God cannot fit within the reasoning of your mind. That's why you have to believe in God. And it's called a walk of faith. Even where Sean was talking this morning, did such a great job in explaining what Jesus was asking them to do and going out and left their net. One of the other reasons that they fish during the night is if you've ever been up at Lake Tahoe, if you've been to some of our lakes, the water is clear. When we were up at Ice House last week with Sean and Dana and the boys, we're sitting there on the bank and you can look out at the dam and you can just see like 20, 30 feet down. It is just clear water. And so the Sea of Galilee you, in Jesus' day used to be like that. There's a little more uh, uh, pollution in there today or, or, or uh, drainage problems and things that go in there. So it's not quite as clear as it was then. But in the, that time, they fished during the night because the nets were able to be seen. They didn't have the monofilament that we have today. You know, you have, we have fishing line that you can't see when you put it in the water. We can trick the fish. They can't even see it. And, and so they, 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 they were able to work in it. We, we manufactured that. But in those days, they had these big woven nets, and they're there, and the fish would see them. And so if they fished during the day, they would catch some, the dumb fish. 
but, but, but you wouldn't get a mass catch. And so the reason for fishing at night is that you got a greater catch at night because the fish could not see the net along with that. So for Jesus to ask you to do something, it always goes against your understanding. They're going, I don't understand. You know, you know. And Jesus knew why they fished at night, why at that, why they toiled at night. It is true with everything else and selling during the day. But part of that, anything he asks you to do, you will never understand. You have to take it by faith. To know God, you have to believe that God is. I've been reading by A.W. Tozer in the knowledge of the holy, and he is a self-existing God. We can't even conceive something that does not exist. Every one of us has a created being, and in some way, we rely upon another created being in everything in our life. You're, you're relying on what other people created what you're sitting on. People create, thank God people created what we're wearing. My pastor was hilarious. Brotherhood said you could solve lust in a day. Make everybody go naked one day. There'd be no more lust in the world. Amen. <laughs> so thank God. Thank God for other created beings. Amen. That we can rely on them. Praise the Lord. Amen. So now watch this. Look at the cover of your outline if you would. So you're not going to understand God. God is greater. But He is the God who helps. And my subtitle this morning is, If We Only Knew... If you only knew. Before I read this cover, I want you to turn to uh, Ephesians. Turn over to the book of Ephesians. Go to chapter 6. We're going to come back to chapter 1. Spend most of our time there this morning. Ephesians chapter 6. And I've been trying to explain to you about the Holy Spirit. We started on this, and when we started the God who helps, we started in John talking about the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son. And a few weeks ago, uh, we apologized. Somehow, I know some of you on the 27th of July, I preached a message and about this, and it was the, the beginning of this message, but it had to do with the Father being with us and and everything for us and the Father and the Son and interceding and Sean and I were doing the illustration and praying and the Holy Spirit praying through us. Jesus said He is our helper and the Holy Spirit is all God. You cannot separate and I illustrated last week with Buck and Tony and myself and, and Tony being the Father, Buck being the Son and me being the Holy Spirit. We, we like divide God up and even today that's what the church, the modern church has kind of taken the Holy Spirit. Okay, this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit and then we, we've given it all these different, everybody has their definition of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How come we don't do that to the Father? And how come we don't do that to the Lord? We don't redefine either the Father or the Holy Spirit or, or the Son. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, somehow we, we have this, the, 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 this legal license somewhere to be able to define Him and make Him completely ineffective in our day. Non-existent, ineffective, doesn't, did that once, doesn't do that anymore. It was only for a spirit. But we would never do that in any other way. And, and so, but... 
Jesus, I mean, Jesus saying the helper is coming and that he helped us to pray and he prays through us. And the best way to see that as I was studying, getting ready and been reading through Ephesians, I came to the end of Ephesians at the very end. Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away so that the Holy Spirit would come. And when he comes, he will tell you everything that I couldn't tell you. He will make known to you everything that is mine. He'll declare, he'll reveal what's happening. Listen to what Paul says when he writes to the church at Ephesus for his conclusion, verse 21, chapter 6, verse 21. But that you may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychus, a beloved brother, a faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you. Look at verse 22. Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs, that he may comfort your heart. That's the exact same definition that Jesus gave to the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I I want you to know my affairs. I want you to know what's going on. So I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. And when he comes, he will tell you everything about me, about the Father. He will tell you things to come so that you don't be discouraged, so that you don't be uh, 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 distracted or pulled astray or, or think wrongly. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you to let you know. Paul says, hey, so that you aren't misinformed of my affairs, what's going on, how things are with Mithy, I want you to be troubled in your spirit. I'm sending my brother to you, a faithful minister, and he's going to, so that you will know for sure everything about me and what's going on. That's exactly how the Holy Spirit is sent to you and I. So my question this morning, cover of your outline, what if we could really believe that God is for us, that he really is working all things together for our good? Now let me just say this, I'm saying that because if Christians, if we really believed it, Christians wouldn't have anxiety. If I say I believe something, but I'm anxious and I'm worried and I'm frustrated and I don't know how things are. Wait a minute. My Bible says all things work together for good. Paul said don't be anxious. Don't have worry. Don't have anxiety about anything. In everything through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God. Why? Because he's the God who helps. He wants to help. Just make yourself available to the help. Amen? So what if we believe that? And then not just on a personal level of our dreams, desires, goals, ambitions, and interests. Don't shrink God down to your life. He's not asking you to bring him down. He's inviting you to come up. My God, we're going to read here in a moment. We are seated with him in heavenly places. Life gets so much greater when you accept his invitation instead of pulling him down into yours. Amen. Now, and we're also going to find out he's already come and answered all of your requests. If I, I, I might even be as bold as saying that. Every prayer you will ever pray has already been answered. It's a finished work in Christ. It, it, the answer is in him. You're not going to pray and Jesus is going to get up. Oh man, I forgot to take care of that. That's not in the redemption. That's not in the atonement. Oh man, how did, how did that get left out? How did I miss that? Who would have known Dave would have had that kind of problem? Amen? Who would have known Matt wouldn't be able to answer the question? Who would have known? I, I, wait, 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 wait. I got, I, got, I got to get up and go finish this. Are we doing all right? It is a finished work that you and I have entered into. 
And it's greater than just our life. But so that we might be with him where he is for all of eternity, that we might be partakers not just of the earnest or down payment, but the full inheritance that is ours in Christ. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 1. Verses 13 and 14 says this, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee, everybody say the guarantee. The word guarantee there would also be translated the earnest or the down payment of our inheritance. So it's the upfront part, it's the guarantee. How many of you ever put a deposit down on something to guarantee that it was your, you know, hold that for me, here's my deposit, don't let anybody take it, I'm reserving the room, I'm reserving this thing, hey, I wanna buy that, but I need to go get the cash, so here, here's money to hold that for me. That's what we have received, the fullness of our inheritance, but I'm telling you right now, the down payment is greater than anything you can imagine. It's more than you can imagine. What we have done is we've made the down payment insignificant. But I'm telling you, the down payment is out of this world. It's beyond anything you can imagine. What is in your down payment? What is in your guarantee? What is the validation of your adoption as sons and daughters is greater than we have ever even breached through the threshold of. Hear me this morning, that we are partakers of that. It is imperative that we actively work to shrink everything but God. You have to, oh, my problem, there's so much going on in my life. Okay, shrink it. Shrink it. Amen. Shrink it down. Just, Just think of a scale. Put your whole life on a scale and then take the puny thing you're upset about and put it on the other scale. It won't even move. It doesn't even come to grip in the, in the significance of life. It won't even move the scale. And so keep focused on God, because in the weight of everything, most of the stuff we get upset about, we, in a week you forget what it was, because you've moved on to something else, insignificant. And giving it greater value. So shrink God down. Don't, don't shrink God down. Shrink everything but God. We must constantly and consciously make Him greater. I said this Tuesday night, but everybody needs to hear that. You have to constantly and consciously make God greater than anything you're facing in life. Come on, your Bible, my Bible says, greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And if I don't make a conscious effort to tell myself that, then when I'm up against a problem and I'm faking a, facing a circumstance, it's hard for me to see that God will help. Well, wait a minute, the helper has already come. I'm already born again. I'm already filled with His Spirit. The greater one lives in me. So when Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor things present nor things to come can separate me from the love of God. Why? Because it is in me. So no matter what's going on outside of me, nothing is greater than what's in me. So that is why at midnight when I'm in a jail and I've been beaten that I can say, hey, Tyler, let's just sing that song. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great. And then all of a sudden, earthquake, shake, and everybody sees how great God is. 
Because we didn't shrink him by our circumstance. They didn't sit there in the jail and say, God, we were preaching for you. God, that girl was demon-possessed, and I delivered her. And God, you let me get beat for it. God, why am I persecuted? Paul, like, God, everywhere I go, I get rejected. (laughs) They throw rocks at me. They beat me. Paul had almost 200 lashes in his body. Five times I received stripes. Five times whip. The whipping of that day was 39 stripes, one short of 40. Five times 40 is 200. Paul says, five times I was beaten, I've been whipped. Three times beaten with rods. I'm telling you, you have to know a great God. You have to consciously and continually make God great in your life. Because if you don't, religion and the world will shrink him down to he is insignificant and you have no help. He is of no use. So you go back to stupid. And people, how do people backslide? How, how do they go back? And what do they go, when, we, when people turn away from God, what do they go back to? Back to their own strength, their own ability, their own read, their own working things out. Why? Because somewhere in their life, God got smaller than their problem. He became less than an answer to them in their life. And so they give up on their only hope and move back. So you and I, we have to consciously push towards it in our faith and in our prayers and in our walk and especially in our fears, make him greater because he is. Consciously make God bigger in your life than any circumstance or situation in your life. Whatever you're facing, anytime you get a report on anything, your first response should be, this too shall pass. Come on, if you ever stop and look and say, wait a minute, I've been through some things in life. If we get around one another and people start talking about battles, everybody, you know, you get people around, they're showing their scars. Man, I fell off a building, I broke my arm, seven places, da, da, da. I got a scar over here, I got this. Over. Hey, in your walk with God, you got some scars, but with your scars, you got a testimony. Dude, you're still here, you're alive. He brought you through, you're living. And so instead of going, man, I can't make it, I can't do it, wait a minute, I remember when this happened, I remember, and I made it through and he brought me out and I'm still here so I think I'll just magnify the Lord because he is the God who helped and if I only knew how much he desires to help I would never make him small again in my life we can never pray or read the word without our with our hearts open to the Holy Spirit and come away with a smaller God than our problem or our need I have never prayed and read my Bible and read the Word of God and come away with the feeling that God is smaller than the need of my life. I've come away with God. Forgive me of shrinking you instead of magnifying you. Amen? So we must pray, live, and believe in agreement with and according to the power of the greater one who is working in us. On Tuesday nights, we've just been dwelling on Colossians 1.27, which just says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. The mystery that was hid from the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now wait a minute, if he is in me, then everything he is is in me. And if you read it in John chapter one and verse 14, it says that he is the fullness of the grace of God. He is the fullness of the grace of God. And then verse, four, uh, uh, verse 16 says, and of his fullness we have received. I got Christ in me, the hope of glory. I got the fullness of God's grace and I've received it. I mean, it's in me. So when I'm looking for the help outside of me, make everything outside of you small and God in you big. Somebody ought to shout amen. Hallelujah. Now watch this. We must never forget what Paul extols and reveals of the triune God. Ephesians chapter one, Paul gives us introduction then beginning in verse three. Listen to this this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places. Come on, just right, that right there ought to get you saved and shouting and running around the tent this morning. Amen. Wait a minute. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord, who has blessed us. Watch this. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he what? Chose us. Just as he chose. Luke chapter 6, verse 13, the Bible says that Jesus called his disciples together and he chose, he personally, the, the same way that it says that, that, that he personally chose 12 and he named them or called them apostles, appointed them to be apostles. So the same way Jesus, out of the crowd, he said, he walked up and said, Peter, he said, John, he said, Nathaniel, he said, Bartholomew, and he went through the whole place and, and he called them all, Matthew, he said, come on, you guys follow me. And, and then when he gets them all together, he says, okay, you and you and you and you and you and you you are my apostle and so they're sitting there they're not choosing him he is choosing them and so that's the same thing God has done for you and for me out of humanity God has chosen you the exact same way look at it this morning and he chose us in him in Christ before the foundation of the world I God you were picked for the team before you were ever born hallelujah that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. How many have ever had a moment where you felt maybe a little less than holy? So God says, hey, I ordained you to be holy. Now watch verse 15. Having predestined us, having predetermined, predesigned. The, the, the other word for predestined there, it means ordained, set to be, chosen to be to the adoption as sons. Amen. If you were an orphan, what can you do to get yourself adopted? Nothing. You just have to hope and pray that somebody sees you and is moved with compassion in their heart to make you their own. Even though you're not their own, they choose to make you your, their own. And so they come to the place and they go through the agency and they go through the process and they go through the whatever has to be done to redeem you out of the place of being an orphan. That's where humanity is. We were all orphans. 
And God says, I choose to adopt you as sons. If you don't know much about adoption, you actually are required, adopted children actually have equal to and higher legal standing than paternal children. You can't adopt a child and make them less or give them less or dignify them any less than your own paternal children. With that in mind, if you are the adopted son of God and Jesus is the firstborn son and you are in him, you are adopted with him, equal with him. When Jesus, when Paul writes here, we are joint heirs with him. Now I'm just saying, to, so far, this is just the declaration of what God has done for us. We're talking about the God who helped. And if we only knew how much help has been made available to us and what it means when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the Philippian jailer said it like this. He said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What, what, and so it's not, just, Paul didn't just say, just believe and leave it like that. He went to the guy's house. He sat down with him. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ of now. First of all, let me tell you my story. I was a persecutor. This is what I did. I, I had this self-righteousness, and I was filled with indignation against these people in the way. I persecuted them. And then one day on the road to Damascus, the Lord of glory appeared to me, knocked me off of my donkey onto my amen onto my donkey amen i went from donkey to donkey amen i went from being one to landing on one amen and so there i am and, and, and then he goes paul and i said who are you lord and that who appeared to me and from that moment on he showed me what i was created for and paul said hey when the lord appeared to ananias he said ananias go and see paul because i've already showed him what he's going to do for me i've already showed him what he was created for i've revealed his purpose to him and so Paul takes it, let me tell you about the Lord of glory. And then the man and his whole house believe on the Lord and they're baptized. When people got baptized in the Bible, they weren't just going through a religious thing. They weren't, well, do I do it again? Do I do it? No, 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 no. They realized, wait a minute. He died for me and he's risen me up in a new life. I, I want to declare this old life. I don't want to keep any of it. I don't want to hold on to it. Bless God, I'm going into the water of baptism. I'm going to die. I'm going to come up alive. I don't want to hold everything that I had before was death and decay. I want the new life that is mine in Christ. Woo! Give me some of that stuff. Amen. So now what? What? Having predestined us to adoption of sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. So God's good will. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. Can I just ask you one question? What have you and I done anything in here so far? So the God who helped has already done all. So the Father does this for us. So here, Paul declares, we are chosen by the Father. God looks at humanity and says, I choose every one of you. I am choosing you. You are not chosen me. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. People go, well, I accepted the Lord. Yeah, you accepted, but you didn't choose. He chose, you were chosen, it said right there, before the foundation of the world, God chose you. 
And one day you just felt him tap your shoulder. said, son, I've chosen you. And you said, I accept. I accept. Amen? Woohoo! So we're chosen by the Father, and then what? We're redeemed by the Son. So God chooses, okay, I choose them, but, but the way I choose them, I gotta do something about the way they are. So I'm choosing them in a way that I can't embrace them, so I chose them so I could embrace them and reconcile them to myself, so the only way I can do that is that, that I have to redeem them through my Son. In Him, verse 7, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of what? His grace, which He made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Isn't that amazing what the sister said on the video there? Hey, to think that the God who saved you wouldn't want to talk to you. To think that the God that redeemed you by His blood Look at this again. Wouldn't want to have a relationship with you. Wow. And according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound toward us in wisdom and prudence, verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure, which, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Have you gotten a picture of this yet? God is doing all this on our behalf. This is everything that's been prepared for us. When Paul later goes on and, and he says it in, in 1 Corinthians 2, eye is not seen, ear is not heard, neither has it in the heart of man. Everything that God has prepared for us. Amen? And so the other part of that, when I say, hey, take one of these little cards and invite somebody. They think, well, well how, why would I? Hey, they need to know there is a God who helped. And they need to know this is what God has thought about them and done for them. And, and, and somebody just say, hey, did you know how much God has purposed towards you? How much he, before you even sucked your first breath? Before you were ever conceived? Before your mom and daddy ever had a twinkle in their eye towards each other? Before they were conceived? Before your greatest, 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 great trace your family tree back to its original root and seed? And before that seed was even conceived, God chose you. And he loved you. And he set his affection upon you. And he chose to give his son to redeem you. And he wants to help you. And he wants you to know the life that he has for you in him. This is the invitation that I said. We keep trying to say, God, I need this. I need that. And I need this. And I need moving this. And I need moving that. God says, hey, take off your shoes and just come up a little higher. Because for me to come down, you have to suck me through the funnel of your understanding. The only way for anything to get to a funnel is to be reduced. That's why it's big at the top and narrow at the bottom. Amen? And God wants to suck you up through the funnel instead of you sucking him down. Amen? Because in him... Paul says, hey, in him. Listen what he said. And we are seated with him in heavenly places. And accept that invitation. Instead of saying, God, come sit with me on my ashes. We're like Job. We're just sitting in our heap, scraping our pus. <laughs> Won't you help me? 
And then everybody around us tries to tell us what God is and who God is and what He does. And then they tell you the reason you're in the ass scraping your pus is because you got sin in your life. Duh. Everybody has sin in your life. There is none righteous, no, not one. That is a no-brainer. There's nobody righteous. All our righteousness is that's filthy. Anything we do and try to attribute righteousness to it is filthy before God. That is why we are only righteous in Him. That's why when we get self-righteous and we get religious, it produces death, it produces separation, it produces animosity, it produces strife, it produces murder, it produces the crusades. We're doing all right. But in God, and then God finally shows up in Job. And he goes, okay, I've heard enough of this stuff. In Job chapter 38, it says, hey, Job, stand up. Gird yourself like a man. I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And you answer me like a man. Job goes, uh, okay. And God says, tell me how. I hung the stars in the sky. Tell me if you can stretch a line across the foundation of the earth and tell me the measure of it. Tell me how this. Tell me how that. Tell me how this. I said last week, we were talking, Sean and the boys and I and, and, they were, and Sue were sitting around the campfire and we're just talking about salmon. Oh, yeah, yummy, but... Before they're yummy, they start out as a little hatchling. And then they're, they're, they're hats up in the little stream, and, and then they, they, they make their way down the stream, and then they run around in the ocean for a few years, and then all of a sudden something goes on in their head. Hey, I need to find my way back to that rock that I was hatched under. And I need to go meet some chick there. And then we're going to lay some eggs and, and, and do the funky thing. And then we're going to die and float down the river and be eaten by bears. How does a salmon know how to do that? That's what the Lord says. Hey, tell me how a salmon knows how to swim down the thing, run around in the ocean, run up and down, do the whole thing, and, 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 and do all that. And then all of a sudden, at a certain time, wait a minute, I, I can't be in the ocean anymore. I have to find me. And how does it know how to, well, after being in the ocean, how to find the tributary that gets it back to the rock where it was at? Tell me that, Newt. You can't. You can't. And that's what God says to Job. And so then everybody, after shrinking God down into their understanding and talking about God in their understanding, misses the whole mark, and God says to Job, hey, and Job goes, God, I repent in sackcloth and ash, because I have heard about you in the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. Now I have a revelation of who you are. You've revealed the reality of who you are to me. And I abhor myself. I have made you small. And so I repent. And God, then God restores him. And then he goes back to these other guys and says, Hey, you need to go to Job and ask him to pray for you. I said, Why? Because you did not talk about me right. 
And because of that, if you don't go to Job and have him pray for you, I will destroy you. So when we shrink God down, when we, he's the God who helps if we only knew. And Jesus, the worship team will come back. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure which he purposed in, in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which both are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in whom again also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, ordained beforehand, ordered to be beforehand, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his own will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, the Holy Spirit comes along then. The Father chooses us, the Son redeems us, and then we've read it, but we'll read it again. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also you have believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption, the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And then Paul prays for them. He declares you were chosen by the Father, you were redeemed by the Son, and you've been sealed by his Spirit. And then he says, now let me pray for you. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that you may be receive the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. Because revelation without wisdom is of no good, and wisdom without revelation is no good. So I said that you receive wisdom and the revelation in the knowledge of Him. That your understanding, not, not here, but in your spirit, See, we read last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that these things, God has, they've been hidden, but God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. Friend, your life in God is the invitation to Him making Himself known. And the same way, if you could hear Paul, listen, if Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says, I want you to know my heart towards you. I want you to fully know what's going on in my life. I want you to be fully aware. So if Paul loved the people at Ephesus enough to send a fellow laborer to them so that they would be fully informed, how much more has the heart of our Father sent the Holy Spirit to you and me to know? And here's what we've moved away with, from. And I said it last week. I believe that we are in a divine moment in the earth right now. I believe the earth is in a divine moment. In the middle of global insanity, there's a divine invitation to just come apart. You can either get caught up or you can come apart into His presence. Because Jesus says, here's what will happen. When I send the Holy Spirit, He will show you things to come. Two weeks, Brother John's going to be here. If John ever had ammunition to preach, it's now on things going on around the world. On prophecy and things that are happening. But in the middle of everything, 
you and I. Friends, God has invited us into a rest. And here's what we've done in our church culture in America. We have dumbed God down way far. You want to hear an interesting statement? I love A.W. Tozier. If you've never read any of this stuff, you should, probably should. It's good. He says this. It's not a cheerful thought. This is in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. It's not a cheerful thought that millions of us who live in a land of Bibles, who belong to churches and labor to promote the Christian religion, may yet pass our whole life on this earth without once having a thought or tried to think seriously about the being of God. Trying to think. I, I said it Tuesday night. I talked with some of my pastor friends. Pastor Dan now and we get together. And Dan goes, man, you're just such a deep thinker. I said, but God has invited. My Bible says deep calls into deep. If you'll just take time with God, the Spirit of God calls into the deep of your spirit. I said, would you like to know me? Come on, just take. But I have to set something aside. I have to give something up. I have to do something. And so today we want to know, how can I do everything I want to do in life and still have this awesome relationship with God? You can't. Neither can you have a great marriage and do everything you individually want to have. Your mar- that relationship will suffer. So I said, listen to what I said. But we pass our whole life on this earth without once having thought or tried to think seriously about the being of God. Few of us have let our hearts gaze in wonder at the I am. Wow. The self-existent self. God is a self-existent self. We need other created beings. He said, I don't need anybody. One of the plays, Tozer said this, concerning the sun and the moon, if everybody on the earth became blind all of a sudden, it wouldn't diminish the light of the sun or the moon. Their light isn't impacted by whether or not we can see it. If the whole world became atheist, God wouldn't be diminished by anything. Because He doesn't exist based upon our belief in Him. He is self-existent. He doesn't have a need that He created us for. He didn't create us out of need. He created us out of love. The self-existent self, back of which no creature can think. Such thoughts are too painful for us. So it says the outcome for this is this. For this we are now paying too heavy of a price in the secularization of our religion and the decay of our inner lives. Amen. But God says, hey, in the middle of all this, Here's what I will do. As I'll begin moving upon my people. And here and there people will feel my spirit light upon them. And I will ask them to come away with me. And draw near to me. And here and there people will respond. And then one and another and then it'll happen again and again and more and more. People say, hey, I don't like the routine. I don't like this. I don't like that. But inside, I hear this call from God. One last scripture. Go with me to Psalms 43. Here's your invitation from God. 
And then I'm just going to open this altar up this morning for you to spend a moment with the Lord. I'm trying to be fast because we have our days planned. But I'm just asking you to give God a moment. Psalms 43 verse 3 says this. David prays. Send out your light, God, and your truth. Let them lead me. Have you ever sat down and said, God, send out your light and your truth and let them lead me? Look at what he says. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Then I will go to the altar of God To my, to God, my exceeding joy. And on the harp I will praise you, O God, my God. Verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. Wow. David said, let your light and your truth lead me. As they begin to worship and lead us, maybe in a moment, maybe you've been feeling God. Life gets busy. Mine's busy. Yours busy. Things pulling. All this stuff going on. But yet you still feel God pulling you. Hey, would you find yourself for a moment just at an altar where I could talk to you? Would you have a moment that you would just let me show myself to you? Paul sent Tychus to Ephesus. God sent the Holy Spirit to you and I. This moment, you might have an area where you feel like God needs to come down in your life. Would you take a moment just let Him lift you up above your problem, your need, the necessity, just like Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, just to praise Him and to thank Him? As they lead us, I invite you to accept His invitation. Teresa had a word of knowledge that somebody here has inflammation in their lymph nodes. Somebody has an inner ear infection. Somebody has plantar fasciitis. Somebody is battling with a prescription drug addiction. And somebody has a pending work promotion. That's you in any of those areas. You could move to an altar. And just say, God, let your light and your truth lead me. Let me come to your altar. Let me enter into your presence. Let me make you bigger. Let me consciously make you bigger than the circumstance of my life. Let me worship you and magnify you. While they sing, I invite you to come. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, just come. I've read you everything you need to know in Ephesians 1. God chose you. Jesus has redeemed you. And if you'll accept what He's done for you, the Holy Spirit will seal you right here this morning. Come and seek the Lord. Come and find a place. Let God speak to you for just a moment. Don't let life pull you away. Don't let time, don't let insight. You're in the presence of God this morning. We've gathered together. We create this place where God by His Spirit comes and dwells. We create a habitation for us. Take a moment in His presence for you to have a personal moment with Him. Hallelujah. They sing, you come. Find a place. Let God speak to you. Jesus' name. Jesus' name.
Make God great in your life. Make Him great. Make Him great. Make Him great. Make Him great. God, you're greater. You're greater. You're greater, God. Yes. How great is our God. Yes. You're greater, Lord. You are greater. Greater than any need, circumstance. You're the great God. Yes, you are. Yes. Yes, you're the great God. How great. Yeah. David said, I'll come to the altar and I will sing and I will praise my God, the great God. Your light and your truth, they direct my path. God, they bring me to your house. God, you invite us into your presence. You call us to lift up hands and hang down. You said you'll strengthen the feebleness in our walk, God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Oh, you've chosen us. God, we love you. We love you, Father. You've given us help if we only knew. If we only knew how great you are. If we only knew how great you are. Oh, God, you're great. You're great. You're great, God. You're a great God. You're a great God. You are the only true God. Knowing you is our life. Knowing you is our life. In Jesus. Oh, Holy Spirit, you're our help. You're here to help us, Holy Spirit. How great, oh God. How great are you, God? You are a great God. You're a great God. Yes, you are, God. I love you, Lord. Yeah. Oh, you're a great God. Yes, you are a great God. Oh, you're a great God. Yes, how great. Yes. 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 Yes.
you are a great God. Yes, you are. Father, today we love you. We bless you. Thank you for choosing us in yourself, redeeming us in your Son, and sealing us by your Spirit. You are a great God. Father, forgive us making you small. Forgive me, Father. The small things. That I would reduce you instead of believe you. Help us, Father. Enlarge our hearts. Open our eyes. We love you. Holy Spirit, let your power flow through us, your anointing on us. Give us your boldness to tell everyone we come in contact with how great is our God, that they might know that you've loved them, chosen them. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, give the Lord a good praise because he's great. Come on, give him a great praise. Hallelujah, you're a great God. Yes, you are. Hallelujah. You are a great God. Hallelujah. We magnify you. Amen. We love you. God bless you. School of ministry. Hey, if you even think about it, show up. Amen. Give God that time to say, God, I'm just going to go after you see what happens. I'm just going to serve God see what happens. I'm just going to go all in see what happens. We love you tonight at 4.15 for orientation Tuesday night God bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you guys.